0: Hope, the belief that what is desired will become truth, a feeling that looks forward with confident expectation, a source of courage in times of trouble. Each week, Damon Parker delivers words of hope to the Hope Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas, and to your computer. May you be blessed by words of hope this week. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself God, I thank you that I'm not like other men robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the first, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now this is a a familiar story. Um, if you've been around church very much, you've heard this one before. Um, and it's one that I think resonates with many people, including probably most of us today. Uh, people in our world, in our time, in uh uh, the place that we find ourselves. If there's anything that we hate in the world, it is a self-righteous hypocrite. Uh, this Pharisee is the archetype, the ultimate example of the thing we hate. Someone who stands up, they are judgmental, they look down on their fellow man, they are uh, point their fingers at themselves about how good they are. Um, they're just the worst. And if you read this just about any place, not just churches, places that aren't churches, lots of people would say, hey, I I may not even be a Christian. I I, I might not even believe in God, but that's right, right there, that's right. You don't want to be like that guy who's all self-righteous and judgmental and looking down on people. You don't want to be like that. You want, yeah, that's not good. Be like the other guy. And so, for us, the tax collector is our hero. He doesn't stand up and applaud himself. He doesn't demand that God look on the good things he's done and that people look up to him. Instead, he's very humble. He stands at the back. He refuses to even approach the altar. He, he won't even look up to heaven. He just says... I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm not worthy. He's our kind of guy. Now it's interesting that he's our kind of guy because to, for him to be our kind of guy means that we're overlooking a lot of things. Um, the, the Pharisee says, hey, I haven't done these bad things, right? And that's good. I haven't robbed people and all Yeah, that's good. And the the Pharisee is somebody who gives money to church and helps the poor and uh, studies his Bible and prays and worships God. I mean, if we're being honest, the Pharisee is a pretty good guy. I mean, the way he's acting about himself ain't so great, but uh, he's a pretty good guy. But he's not our hero. We've got made that very clear. He's not, because he's judgmental. No, the guy who's our hero is the guy who's uh, ripping people off. Right? Using his spot as a tax collector to take advantage of others. He's a traitor to his country. He colludes with the oppressive government that's out there. Right? Um, While other people are plotting how we can get away from these Romans or kick them out, he, he says, wait a minute, I think this is an opportunity to make a little money. If you've ever seen the movie Casablanca... And if you haven't, shame on you, but if you have, he's the chief inspector. Um, He's willing to make friends with the Germans if it will be okay for him. And so let us be clear about what we're saying when we claim that the tax collector is our hero. What we're saying is the guy who does the good stuff, the guy who helps people and gives to the church and prays and does all all the right things, he's out. And we're lauding the guy who's probably not the guy you'd want to hang around. Because the other day, he ratted you out to the Romans and told them you had some stuff you weren't supposed to have. But the reason he's our hero is very clear. Because one of them is judgmental and self-righteous. And the other is humble. Humble. And ask for forgiveness. Now, I hope I've put you in a little bit of a precarious spot. Because I think that's the spot Jesus wanted us to be in. Jesus wanted us, when we read this, to immediately go, Oh, that Pharisee, I may not like what he's saying, but that's the good guy. And that tax collector, that's the bad guy. Any of the people who first heard this would have assumed the Pharisee's the hero, the tax collector's the bad guy. That's why Jesus is able to turn the tables on him and say, wait a minute, it's actually that tax collector that went home justified. But see, we've heard this story so many times, we have already know Who the good guy and the bad guy is. And so, therefore, this story doesn't turn the tables on us. We hear it and we see, immediately we see that Pharisee, even just says the word Pharisee and we go, oh, horrible, despicable. Why would anybody want to be like that? Well, you know, Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of even the Pharisees, Jesus held them in pretty high regard. They were doing lots of good stuff. So, we find ourselves in a difficult spot. On the one hand, there is the Pharisee. The guy who's doing a lot of good things, but man, he's just kind of a self-righteous jerk about it. And then on the other hand, we have the tax collector. Not doing such great things, but at least when he comes to the house of the Lord, he humbles himself and admits that he's not worthy. Well, I think it's okay for the tax collector to be our hero for this moment. For this moment when the tax collector says, I'm not worthy. I have sinned. I can't even look up to you, God, because of what I've done. Have mercy on me. I think that's beautiful, and I think that's what we want to be and take from this. But here's the problem. Far too often, we as Christians hold on to the tax collector mentality beyond the moment that he's having here. Let me explain what I mean. For most of us, uh, we are not, uh, if you're here, you're probably not an atheist, Right, you, you at least have some level of belief. We're not unrepentant. We're not just trying to live in sin with no concern for God or for our fellow man. We're, we're not like that. But on the other hand, we are not the Pharisee. Uh, most of us, at least from what I know of many of you, not wrapped up completely in your own self-righteousness. Rather, we've found a place we want to be. That's the place of the tax collector. You know, strong enough to admit our weakness and sin. Willing to say, I'm not worthy and I need God's grace. And that sounds good. And I think it is good. Unless it becomes the totality of who we are. If it becomes the place we stay. You see, I think the assumption of the story, because Jesus didn't tell us more, the assumption of the story is that the tax collector, after he came there and he said, oh, I'm not worthy, I've sinned, is that he went home and he changed his life. Not that he came back the next day going, well, I'm unworthy, and next week, well, I'm unworthy, well, I've ripped them off again. See, the assumption is, he comes and he says, man, I, oh, I don't even deserve to be here. And there's something about this moment, this encounter with God's grace, that changes Him. But one of the struggles for many of us, or I'll say for me, is that I end up staying there in that moment. You see, we despise those who appear to have it all together. You know? There's kind of this suspicion we have that somebody who really seems to have their spiritual life together, they must be a hypocrite, secretly, somewhere. Right? That's kind of the culture in which we live now, by the way. Anybody who looks pretty good, we've got to figure out what's wrong with them and tear them down. We don't want to be, if anything, we don't want to be viewed as judgmental. And that doesn't mean you even have to judge people, by the way. We don't want people to even think that we might be judgmental. And so, I'll give you for instance on this. Uh, when Melody and I meet people and get to know them a little bit, let's say we're we're off doing a retreat or something, and we get to meet uh, somebody, and like uh, we went on a marriage retreat, uh, helped do a marriage retreat a while back. It was just the two of us. And when you meet somebody, you're kind of talking with them, you're getting to know them a little bit, and then at some point it comes up about children. Well, how many kids do you have? Well, we have, what time? We had seven. For many people, this immediately, you can tell, turns into they feel like we're judging them. Well, we only have two, but the reason is we just and they got to explain why they only have two and why because they feel like they're somehow we're, they're being judged by us. I mean, they're right; we are judging them, but uh, it, no, we're not. We're not judging them. Hey, if you have one or none or fifty, it doesn't matter. But well, fifty that would matter. But that we're not judging them. But there's such a feeling in our society right now that the worst thing to be is judgmental that it makes me not even want to say how many kids I have for fear that you will think that I am judging you about the number of kids you have. And so, we avoid being the Pharisee like the plague. We do not want to be that guy. So instead, we become the tax collector perpetually proclaiming how unworthy we are, how we're not good enough, we're not strong enough, we haven't done enough, because we have this sneaking suspicion that by constantly kind of putting ourselves down before God, that keeps us okay. But I want to tell you, I don't think God wants our self-righteousness. That's clear from this story. But nor do I think God wants people who just perpetually proclaim how unworthy and worthless they are. Neither one of those is what God was hoping for. Neither one of those is the point of this story. Notice what it says at the beginning. Jesus, It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So he told this parable for the people who were like that Pharisee, going, look at me, I'm great. I think if Jesus was here today, it would say something different. It would say, to some who constantly put themselves down and considered themselves consistently unworthy, Jesus told this parable. And it would be a different one. You see, because when we consistently live in that place of unworthiness, when we sit... And constantly dwell on how unworthy we are. Yes, it keeps us from being self-righteous. No doubt. But I think it often erodes our faith as well. You see, God doesn't want our sense of unworthiness. That's not what He came to get. He wants all of who we are. But what many of us are offering Him is, woe is me. And that's what I've got for you today, God. Woe is me. You see, we can get to a place where our unworthiness, our need for grace, our constantly dwelling on how not good enough we are, actually becomes a shield against God. You see, it's one thing for our unworthiness to help us realize we need grace, right? That's what was happening for the tax collector. His unworthiness made him go, wow, look how great God is. Look what I've done. I need God's mercy and grace to be something different. That's good. That's powerful. But it's another thing for our our unworthiness to become an excuse for no longer growing or changing. Well, I'll just never be worthy. I'll just be this. That's all I am. That also misses God's grace and mercy. If I stand up and proclaim how great I am, like I don't need God's grace, I obviously missed... How wonderful His grace is and how much I need it. But if I sit around going, "Whoa, is me, I'm terrible. Hey, can you come do this? No, probably not, I'm no good. I'm also missing God's grace. God's grace in this story for the tax collector would be for Him to realize how unworthy He is and how great, how grateful He should be for these good things He has. For the tax collector. God's grace should let him know that yeah, you may be unworthy, but that's about to change. You're going to be transformed into something new and different. You see, for many of us, I am just not good enough has become good enough for us. I think often, We are so determined to not be a Pharisee that not being a Pharisee becomes the goal of our Christian walk. Rather than becoming like Jesus. Too often, my goal is to make sure I am not a Pharisee. Rather than to make sure I am becoming godly. And sometimes that really hurts my faith. Because faith is following. It is growing. It is changing. It's being challenged by God's grace, His mercy, His justice, His love. And as long as I don't think too highly of myself, often that's good enough. You see, in the cult of the unworthy the danger is becoming holy. You see, if I become holy and start to grow and change and God transform me and I start doing new things and I'm actually getting better, then I start to fear that people will think I'm judgmental. I've got to retreat back into my unworthy place. That's never what God wanted. For us to sit around and put ourselves down And proclaim that as the love of God. When God looked down on that tax collector, He saw His humble spirit, His desire to change, His his understanding that He desperately needed mercy, and God wanted to pour it on Him and change His life. God's hope wasn't that next week He would come back and feel the exact same way. God's goal for you isn't that you come to church and feel bad. That's not what He wants. God's hope isn't that you will believe you are unworthy. God's hope is that you will come to believe that He thinks you're worth it. Jesus didn't come because you are worthless. He came because you have infinite value in the eyes of God. Why else give up the greatest gift in the world for your sake? To sit and perpetually proclaim how bad we are may make us feel spiritual, but it doesn't help us grow. I can't imagine anybody parenting this way. Right? Like, imagine that you you have a child. If you don't have one, I've got a few you can borrow. Imagine you have a child. Would you really parent them by every day saying, hey, you just got to understand how unworthy you are. That you, you know, we're doing this stuff for you, but you just don't deserve it at all. And you just need to know that you're really bad, but hey, we're still doing our thing here. Okay? Right? Tomorrow's going to be better, right? I mean, no, it's not. You proclaim somebody's badness long enough, they start to act bad. Jesus didn't come to proclaim how awful you are. He came to proclaim that no matter how awful you think you are, God thinks you're wonderful and came to save you. Isn't that great? Isn't that good news? At my worst moment, when I think I am unworthy and lowly and awful, and sometimes, let's be honest, we are. But in those moments, God's grace and mercy comes to me and says, yeah, that's how you see you, but it ain't how I see you. Notice what this passage never says. It says that the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, beat his breast, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? He was putting himself down. I am worthless. I am not good enough. I need your mercy, God. I think a lot of us think that the next line in the passage is, and God went, yeah, that's right. That's how you are. That's not what it says. I tell you, this man went home justified before God. In other words, when he stood there in his unworthiness and asked for God's mercy, the Bible says he got it. He got it. We are not worthy. We're not. But being unworthy isn't our identity. Your identity is the beloved child of God. That's who you are. Now, sometimes I act like that's not who I am. I don't live up to the call. I don't live up to the identity God has for me. I don't live up to the love that Christ has for me. I don't reside in that grace the way I should. And that is true. And you know, when I don't do those things, you know what that changes about my worth to God? Nothing. Nothing. We must come to a place where we are no longer interested in just not being a tax collector or not being a Pharisee. We must come to a place where what drives us is trying to be the child of God we already are. Tonight, I don't want you to leave this place thinking, I'm just a piece of dirt. Now, some of you, you're feeling that. You came in feeling that. I probably can't stop you feeling that on the way out the door. But that's hopefully never the goal of church. I don't want you to leave feeling like you're a piece of dirt. I want you to leave trying to believe that the God of the universe thinks you're worth it. Why? I don't have a clue. (laughs) A few of you, I think, well, maybe you're worth it. Why does God think it? Because that's who He is. Now, there's a passage in... Isaiah that talks about God's ways being higher than our ways. And usually when we read that, we think, you know, yeah, God's bigger, He's smarter, He's wiser. But if you look in that passage, that passage is about how God's going to forgive the children of Israel. In other words, His ways are higher than our ways. He's going to forgive people of stuff that people would never forgive other people of. That's how much greater He is than us. What makes God great isn't just that He's big or that He's strong or that He can speak a planet into being. What makes God great is He can love somebody even when they don't think they're lovable. And forgive them even when they can't forgive themselves. You know, I know it's a story, a parable. But inside, I really hope that that tax collector went home And when he walked in the door, the first thing he said was, Honey, I'm sorry. I haven't been who God wanted me to be. But I discovered today that God loves me anyway. And it's already changing who I am. My prayer tonight for you is this. You will know that God loves you anyway. Anyway. And right now, it will start changing who you are. For more information about Hope Church of Christ, visit HopeChurchofChrist.com. We trust you've been blessed by words of hope. Take this hope now and be a blessing to others. This podcast is copyright Hope Church of Christ 2012.